As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Fangirl Nation. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job podcast on Believe. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I am so excited to be joined today by sports anchor for the NBC affiliate in Kansas City, Haley Lewis. Haley talks about her journey from Miss Tennessee to sports reporting, growing up in a football family, being your authentic self, the game day grind, and so much more. This conversation is a great one, so let's get to it. Whitney, thank you so much for joining me today. I've been so excited to talk to you about your career journey and everything else. So thank you for coming on Get My Job. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. You're such a rock star and I'm just honored that you would want me on as a guest and I get to be in your orbit. And there's something I think when you're a woman in sports that you often feel like you're navigating this journey kind of in isolation or alone. And for me, at least there's no better thrill than getting to meet someone who's such a rock star in this industry and another woman who's just doing the coolest thing. So this is a a gift for me too. Well, thank you. We just made my whole day. We could just stop oh. right now. No, just kidding. Podcast <laughs> over. And scene. Uh, but since yes. we're not going to start right now, or stop right now, we are going to start right now, I would love for you to kind of take us through your professional journey. You are doing a number of different things, which is something I can totally relate to, and I think everyone in this industry can relate to. So if you can kind of start with the genesis of your journey to being an NFL agent, social victories, and uh, kind of beyond. So the Cliff Notes version is basically my mom used to have meetings on Monday nights and she would say to my dad, you know, this is the one night a week that you are in charge of putting the kids to bed. And um, she would come home from her meetings every Monday night and he would have me under one arm and my brother under the other arm and we would be watching Monday night football. And that that is how I started to fall in love with football. And basically, as I went through school, I never really understood like, what my place was, or I I think I thought I was just like mediocre at all of the subjects. And I also thought maybe there were like three or four things that you could be in the world. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I didn't know that you could work in the sports industry and all the front office jobs that exist. And you could be an entrepreneur and start your own business. So all I knew was that I loved talking to people and I love football. When I didn't want to do schoolwork, all I wanted to do was watch football. And so I basically said to my parents going into college, look, I'm going to be the sideline reporter on Monday Night Football. And they were like, do you think that you could pick a job with more than one opening total in the world? And I said, no problem. 
I'll <laughs> also do Sunday night football, which just doubled my options. Yeah, and there you go. Exactly. And I think, you know, they probably thought, great, we're going to have to support her her entire life. And, you know, we're going to have to, you know, be responsible for, um, you know, taking care of her. And she's going to live at home until she's 45. But okay, you know, we'll support your dreams. Basketball is back and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to BetOnline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts. So I went to the University of Florida, um, and there I had internships with the Tampa Bay Rays, Turner Sports, and ESPN. And actually, luckily, when um, I was at ESPN, um, or when they came to recruit, I should say, on the University of Florida's campus, they had actually filled all 50 spots. And um, I had, you know, taken the, the guy's name off of the pamphlet, um, who was recruiting and basically reached out to him separately and said, look, like, you know, I'm meant to intern for you, you know, I gave him my pitch, and he interviewed me, and he ended up uh, fighting with three people at the company uh, to to uh, help me get a spot as an intern between my junior and senior year. So that year I was interned 51 out of 50, which was pretty cool. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. And then, yeah, and while I was at ESPN, I had this idea that um, they should name the Spanish channel Espanol. I was like, why has no one ever thought of this? So I emailed um, the guy who was uh, John Skipper, who was senior vice president of content and ended up becoming president of the company. And essentially, um, you know, he was like, no, but why don't you come meet with me? So I went and met with him and I was wearing a W necklace. And he told me that ESPN was watching this women's initiative called ESPNW. So like I said, mm -hmm. I have the W necklace, you know, I already got your branding on. And so long story short, he connected me to the people who were starting ESPNW um, and, you know, told me, told me all about it. And, um, you know, like I said, gave me a recommendation. And I think that was the first moment that I realized, wait, maybe I'm the one I've been waiting waiting for that you could actually carve out your own path. Because prior to that point, everyone had said to me, Hey, if you, you know, want to work at ESPN, you have to start at a small, uh, city, you know, in a small station and work your way up. And then maybe in 20 years, you'll make it to ESPN. But actually ESPNW was sort of a startup within a big corporation. So they were willing to take a chance on me, um, as someone new. And I think it's important to remember that just because everyone else has done something one way, doesn't mean you can't be the first person to carve out a new path. So mm -hmm. anyway, worked at ESPNW, went on to run social media for major league baseball, and then ultimately my pivot into the marketing world came when I started working for an entrepreneur named Gary V or Gary Vaynerchuk and ended up running a lot of uh, the sports clients there. And Gary actually recommended me for my job after Vayner. Um, my passion is really at the intersection of sports and making a world a better place. I just think mm -hmm. that politics these days can be super divisive. And for me, I just care about making the world a better place. And I love that no matter your age, your gender, your economic status, education level, everyone looks up to the 
athletes the same way. So to me, sports are the greatest vehicle to impact and create change. And so Gary recommended me for a role where, um, it, it, for an organization called Rise, the Ross Initiative in Sports for Equality. And we basically, every sports league came together. The commissioner of every sports league was on the board and the head of every TV network. And um, we all came together to work to eradicate racism, strike down implicit biases, and unite neighborhoods. So that was the goal. And I absolutely loved that. And then Gary called again. And I joke, every time he calls, just say yes, and my life is about to change. And <laughs> recommended me to Brandon Marshall. From what my friends at the NFL said, I basically became the first chief marketing officer for one NFL player. So I did hit, uh, Brandon's endorsement deals. I did the marketing for his um, athletic tra training facility, which was called FitSpeed, and then the marketing for his mental health nonprofit. We went around the country doing suicide prevention trainings. And you know, the short version is other guys just started coming to me and say, saying, Hey, do you think you could help me as well? And I think I had a big awakening at that point where I realized, wait a minute, the teams have marketing departments and the players have agents, but no one is proactively helping these guys, you know, tell their stories and figure out life after sports. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it could all just end one day and they don't always have resources to fall back on. And you're so much better off if you use this opportunity while you're playing to, you know, maximize your time in the spotlight and to make the most of it. And so I just kind of started saying to them, instead of looking at football or sports as your purpose, how could it be your platform to your purpose? And essentially, you know, I, that evolved into, you know, every guy I work with having a second job off the field or backup plan, you know, one client is a financial literacy professor at Penn in the off season and only lives on 15% of his salary. And those guys ultimately encouraged me to become an agent and normally you have to go to law school or business school or have some graduate degree which I didn't have so I actually had to petition the NFLPA on a marketing exception um, to be able to take the exam most people had a year and a half to study my year and I ended up having about three and a half weeks um, yeah. from when my petition was approved until the exam and from what someone told me the pass rate my year was like 38.8 percent and I passed and so so now I'm also an agent so hope that wasn't too wordy but I felt like you know the, hearing about the different steps in the journey is key that's amazing. So there's there's a couple things I want to go back to. And I think what we'll start with really forging your own path, which you've been doing, it sounds like, forever, and not being afraid to send the email to the head of content at ESPN and make a suggestion and not being afraid to say to the NFLPA, can you make an exception? I'll take the exam and passing the exam. And kind of where did that fortitude and drive come from? Yeah, start there. Start there. Yeah, so okay. So I think that that passion and burning desire has always been inside of me. It's just sort of part of my DNA. But when I was growing up and people would come over to my house, one of the first things I would show them was my timeout chair because that is where I spent a lot of time. And you could ask my parents, I was always a really good kid. I never did anything inappropriate or bad or got in trouble in that way. But they will tell you, I always pushed the limits. And I tell them now they misbranded me, but that was just <laughs> me being entrepreneurial. And right. so I truly think, you know, it's a lot of who I am. And, you know, I was, you know, luckily raised by parents who really fostered my confidence and my belief in myself and said, you know, you think you can do this, you want to like, go chase after that. And I just think ultimately that 
you know, the reason I named my book, You Are the First You, is because at the end of the day, no one has ever been you before. So mm-hmm. it didn't matter whether people closest to me or people I interacted with had a different viewpoint. I just had the confidence to say like, well, this person is not me. I have these burning feelings and desires in my gut. And honestly, like I cannot live with myself and I cannot stop until I've executed them. I can handle no's, I can handle rejection, but I cannot handle not trying. I love that. That's, that is awesome. So my next part of that question then I guess was where did this drive for the community and passion for the community come from? Cause not everybody just intrinsically has that. Uh, and it's something that means a lot to me. So I would just love to know kind of how that all began. Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, I, it goes back to my why, you know, if I'm mm-hmm. saying to my clients, okay, you know, look at football as your platform to your purpose. Well, I have to be walking that walk too. And I think, you know, as my career has evolved, you kind of listen to what your heart wants the most. And I was just most fulfilled when I started doing things in the sports world that made other people happy. Like I always loved when I was watching sports, the story behind the story, I cared much more about that than I did any sort of metrics or, uh, you know, analytics at the end of the day. Um, It was always about um, being able to impact people and to see their lives change for the better. Ultimately, that is my why. So, you know, when I realized I could team up with these athletes and help them execute their passion and find their place in the world and become the best version of themselves, well, then I was also fulfilling my goal of, you know, aiming to help as many people as possible. I think at the end of the day, it's hard to pinpoint exactly where that came from, except like, you know, everything I do comes from a place of love and I am the happiest and feel like I'm executing my mission the most when I'm making other people's lives better. So turning to a little bit of the NFL agent journey, now that you've taken the exam, so how long have you been an NFL agent at this point? So I was certified in the fall of 2021. Okay. So as as you've navigated that world, which is a little bit different than you know, what you were doing before, kind of what obstacles have you found that have surprised you and how have you made your way through them? Sure. Well, I think that there is another layer added. So for example, when I was just the chief marketing officer for my clients, you know, those were typically guys who also understood what I did and what I was trying to accomplish. And they had the same goals, like they were looking for marketing help as Mm -hmm. well. And, um, you know, I always refer to them as my champions. It's interesting because I have learned to look at my, you know, what some might say is my disadvantage as a woman. And how can I look at that as my superpower? So for Mm -hmm. instance, what I'm trying to say is that, you know, I always looked as I started to get into this world as people who are representing athletes were typically white men. And I thought that's the only thing that athletes wanted. So I thought I was going to be at a disadvantage being a woman. Well, as I got to know these guys, I learned that actually a lot of them were raised by single moms. So in their world, women get the job done. And on top of that, you know, they're thrust into the world, you know, as young kids still basically 
And they really missed that nurturing approach that a woman can bring. And so they appreciated and saw those capabilities as superpowers and actually were more drawn to me than they would be to, you know, a traditional agent or what I thought one looked like. I think when it comes to the agent side of things, there are additional layers. So a few of them are, number one, you have to sign a client to an active roster within three years to stay certified. So I have clients, they've had tryouts, they've been on teams, but none have officially made it on an active roster yet. And so for me, that clock is ticking. So that's an element I didn't have before. Mm -hmm. And basically, a lot of people don't realize this, but the agents are responsible for paying for the client's living and training expenses leading up to the draft. And so you have to have a lot of cash flow to be able to do that. I am one person with no connections. And, you know, my parents are very hardworking, but no one funds me but myself. So it's really hard to compete against some of these other agents that have massive funding sources, because they're essentially buying the top players and paying for all their expenses. And now starting even earlier with NIL, and building that loyalty. And then those top guys get drafted and make them back the most amount of money. And that cycle continues. So it's really hard for anyone new to break in. And I also think like, I hate to say it, the element of being a woman, I mean, last year was my first full year out and about. And, you know, people would say to me, Oh, are you the girl agent? Or I was at one pro day. And I looked around and all the male scouts were sitting together at a table at lunch from almost every team. And the one female scout was sitting at a table by herself. So I went and sat with her to keep her company and to, you know, and I think she was so appreciative to not feel alone. So it's not always outwardly or explicit. Um, Mm -hmm you know, sexism, sometimes it's, it's very muted, but you can very clearly from the outside, see the difference. And it doesn't mean it's any less hurtful. And then I would say at the end of the day, the way you succeed as an agent is when teams sign your clients to their rosters. And I had one team that said, without a doubt, they were signing my client and he showed up for his workout. And not only did they tell him they weren't signing him, they told him that I misled him about the opportunity and I wasn't honest with him. And good thing, you know, my clients seem to always have my back because they wrote the team back and said, no, no, Whitney's always been honest with me. You were the ones that misled me. But I think it's very easy for them to disregard women. And there have been some really nice men and some advocates. And I try and shout them out and support them as much as possible. But overall, I just have gotten the vibe that the teams are very much a fraternity and they don't, you know, it's kind of a scratch your back, I'll scratch mine of like, okay, these, you know, other male agents have been in the business a long time. I'll throw this guy your way. You do me this favor. And there's not really room space or desire for women to break in. And for instance, you know, the guys whose brands I've built, you know, I was able to identify their intangibles, um, you know, and recognize that they were going to be super successful. And, you know, a lot of times diversity really helps breed success. And Mm -hmm. if these teams maybe listen to women or other points of view, they could be able to see either red flags and guys they were signing or opportunities and guys they were overlooking. In the entire time that I have been an agent and I have reached out to teams, there has not been one single woman in any team scouting department that I have talked to or connected with or appears to be a decision maker. Wow. And that's obviously something that needs to change. How do you think we do change that? 
I think it has to come from the top. So at the end of the day, the scouting departments work for team owners. And so I think that a really good start would be saying for the owners to say, look, we're going to do the right thing here. And every year we are going to sign five guys represented by female agents, whether it's undrafted free agents, whether it's, um, you know, guys that they draft, however, um, however we get them on our, on our active roster, five of those guys are going to have to be represented by women. Because at the end of the day, the scouting departments are all the decision makers at this point, like there's no oversight for the most part, and they're all men. So they're not consciously thinking, oh my gosh, we need to make sure female agents can stay in the game. And again, we only have three years total. So if the owners don't quickly speak up and say to the scouting departments, you need to make sure female agents are represented well, um, and you're honest with them and your communications and you, you know, build them up. And I, I think that's the problem is like the scouting departments don't feel any obligation to, you know, treat female agents in any positive way. They just want the best guys. They have their buddies in the industry. But if there was someone saying to them, no, this is what you need to do in order to do the right thing. And in order for us to make sure we have full representation, they would have to follow along. And so I think that's the biggest thing that teams could do immediately. And it's a super easy thing um, mm-hmm. for for women to remain agents and for other women who are thinking about it to feel like that there's a possibility they could succeed in this industry. Do you have a network of female agents that you bounce ideas off of that you go to for advice, anything like that? Yeah, I um, have to say that um, there, the, the women and other female agents in this industry have been very supportive and very kind. It's just there's so few of us that we're mm-hmm. sort of scattered across, like I just haven't met or interacted with most of them. I think we silently support each other and follow each other on social media. There's been one uh, agent, I give her a shout out, Sam Tiger, who really has walked the walk where she checks in on me regularly. She offers to do things that actually help. She speaks my name in rooms that I'm not in. I mean, you feel a real support system from her. At the end of the day, what you need is people to help you sign clients who make active rosters. And she's done everything she possibly can to help me succeed in that realm. And I just wish there were more of it. Well, yeah, and I think that's part of kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier. There just there needs to be more of it. We're making progress, but certainly have a long way to go in all facets of the industry. Right. And I think there's this stereotype that women catfight and tear down each other. And like I have not found that at all. Like right yeah, when I, I got certified, Nicole Lynn held a um a Zoom with like and she featured other female agents and everyone was there to support each other. I think that you know, this industry, and especially because there's so few women, it's either they're doing really well, or they're struggling to try and, you know, make their way in this field and have success. And everyone's just kind of doing their own thing. And so there's, you know, at the the end of the day, the other women supporting us is great. But what we need is the teams to actually give us opportunities. Kind of along those lines, if you could give someone one piece of advice for starting a career in your industry, and actually, I'm going to say in both parts of your industry on the agency side, and on the social victory side, what would that be? I think at the end of the day, it's truly just caring. I mean, that's my nature, but I didn't realize how rare that was until I started working with these guys. I mean, ultimately, they were the ones who pushed me to become an agent because, you know, one guy said to me, you're the first day-to-day teammate I've ever had, you know, and I've 
babysat their dogs and, you know, gone with their fiancés to shop for engagement rings. And to me, anyone in my orbit is a family member. I mean, they've come over for Thanksgiving. I've helped them with ideas for renovating their house. Like that is just what I would do for anyone I care about. And they Mm -hmm. would often say to me, you know, our agents, you know, show up at our games or do our contracts and then disappear and we never see them again. Like it's very transactional. And my best piece of advice would be to just care about them like you would a friend or family member. And the way that plays out, um, you know, helps every part of your industry. I mean, I think that's what sets me apart and why, you know, my clients have been super supportive. And I think instead of worrying about what other people are doing or having FOMO, just trusting your gut, like, instead of saying, oh, this is how it should be done as an agent, do what you think should be done in terms of taking care of these guys. I mean, I had one client who um, I helped him with his, yeah, I help him yearly with his annual shopping spree where we um, surprise typically homeless and foster kids across the country with shopping sprees, typically at Target, um, to be able to buy holiday gifts and essentials and things that they wouldn't be able to purchase otherwise. And a few years ago at the few years ago at the Super Bowl, he was given the Alan Page Award, which is the NFLPA's award for the one player who does the most off the field and given a $100,000 grant to his foundation. And again, that all happened just because I cared and wanted to help him execute his vision and impact lives. And, you know, I think a lot of people say, oh, well, there's, you know, no money in this particular outing, or I'm not getting paid for this. And I don't look at things that way. Like, I'm like, is this getting them closer to their why? And if Mm -hmm. so, then I want to be a part of it. And I want to help them like not make everything transactional about money. How do you balance your time in terms of how much time goes towards the agent side and how much time goes to the marketing side? Sure. And I think it's very cyclical and Mm -hmm. I live by my calendar. So essentially if, you know, for example, in March, you know, clients have pro days. So, you know, when that pro day is happening, I typically fly to the pro day, you know, stay overnight. I'm (laughs) tends to usually be in places that aren't close to where I live in Tampa. Um, So there's a lot of travel involved and my whole day, you know, that day is dedicated to cheering him on and supporting him. And, you know, the draft comes around and a hundred percent of my attention is in that. And then, you know, reaching out and, and trying to get them, uh, tryouts or spots on the team. You know, I, I do that as much as possible. But in the meantime, you know, I always joke because I'm like, Oh, wow, there are people out there that are full time agents. And that's all they do. And they they can just be agents. Like, for me, I moonlight as an agent. I mean, I have to have a job during the day running social victories, which pays the bills to be able Mm -hmm. to be an agent, you know, in my spare time, like how luxurious to just be able to do your job. Like, I'm not at that point yet. And, you know, I think not having tons of, you know, funding or money behind me that was just given to me, um, you know, means that I have to work to pay to become an agent and pay the bills while that side of the business is growing. And so, um, you know, I think when I, you know, I'm doing marketing work or, or branding for other clients, you know, that I know are paying me right now, that becomes the focus. And then I'll switch in, switch in the next few minutes or the next day or whatever it is um, to make sure I'm making the agent side a priority. So I always say that there's not, no such thing as work-life balance. It's just addressing whatever is most pressing at the moment. And that's how I feel about having you know multiple pillars of my company and multiple responsibilities is what is most pressing at the moment. And that is what I address. 
which makes sense. And I think that's true of life too. You know, there's, right. I, we talk about that on this podcast a lot, that there really is no such thing as a work-life balance. It's, it is all cyclical. And I know that that's true for me on the beat reporter side versus the CEO of Fangirl Sports Network side. And sometimes the beat reporter has to take precedence and sometimes the CEO has to take precedence. And it is cyclical and figuring out what that is. Um, and I'm very lucky. I have a wonderful team that works with me, but you know, at the end of the day, when you have your own business, it still is your name and your business and you have to make sure it gets done and gets done correctly. Absolutely. And for me, you know, again, going back to my why I want to make every client that I work with feel like they are the most important person on the planet or the most important Mm -hmm. organization on the planet or whatever they need the most that I am there helping them because that's why I'm partnering with them. And so when a client has a pro day, I mean, you know, my, one of my clients jokingly calls me corporate mom because like, that's, (laughs) that's how they feel. Um, you know, that's the role they feel I play in their lives. And so when a client has a pro day, like my heart is there cheering him on screaming for him and like hoping for the best and just wanting him like a parent would to, you know, have the best performance. And then, you know, when I'm sitting in a room and working on a strategy, like I want that company or that person to really succeed. Or, you know, when I'm at the event, um, you know, with the, the shopping spree, like there's nothing more important than, you know, impacting those kids' lives. And so I think it's really important to be organized and, um, you know, to plan ahead so that at least for me, so that wherever I am at the moment and whatever I am addressing, that I am showing up in the biggest and best way for the people who need it most at that time. I'd love to transition into just based on this conversation, if you can take us through a day in the life of Whitney Holtzman and and you may want to pick a couple days. You may want to do a day that's kind of like what you're talking about with the shopping spree, or you may want to do a pro day or however you want to do it, or if you want to do more than one, but I think it would be fascinating to just kind of hear what your days look like. Sure. So I think for me, the best part of having my own business is being able to have the freedom um, to do different things in a day or that every day is different. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. not someone whose soul is, you know, gets excited by monotony. So being able to have, um, you know, diversity in how I spend my days is really exciting to me. And it also makes me feel like I can achieve everything I'm looking to accomplish, like that I'm, I'm really, the flexibility allows me to really tackle, like we talked about what's most pressing. So for example, let's go through like a day when I traveled out to the Super Bowl, um, you know, and was in Phoenix, because I think that is a good example of an interesting day. So um, I woke up and I went to uh, high school in, in the Phoenix area with my client, Brandon Copeland. And he spoke to the high school kids. And then he gave them each a piece of paper with a job that exists in the world and what the salary is. And those kids had to go around from station to station and learn how much home insurance costs and how much. Um, car insurance costs and how much groceries cost and raising a kid costs. And I mean, these kids didn't know about premiums or all of, you mm-hmm. know, all of the things that were involved in life, you know, that you often are blindsided by in adulthood and you don't taxes and all those things. And I mean, it really opened their eyes to, you know, what was possible. And then I got in the car and I went to, um, I went to, uh, the first public charter school that's, uh, all female, and it's actually in Phoenix. And I just spoke to them about 
independence and you don't have to rely on someone else and starting your own business and carving out your own path. And I think these are, you know, it seemed like these are things they, you know, hadn't been exposed to before. So I just wanted to really teach them that you don't have to rely on someone else. Like I told them you, you could be the one you've been waiting for, you know, and to Mm -hmm. really bet on themselves. Um, and then I actually also represent like a variety of clients. So, um, I work with a guy named Matt Lombardo, who's great. So he's a, an NFL insider at Heavy. So he and I met in person. Um, I'm his agent, so I help him find job opportunities. So we had dinner at a really great pizza place. And actually, Howie Roseman, the GM of the Eagles, walked into the restaurant and happens to know Matt, uh, who lives in the Philadelphia area. And so Matt introduced me to Howie. Um, and then I dropped Matt at the airport and went back to my hotel. So like, for instance, that was one day when I'm home. Um, you know, I really try to do what my soul needs the most. So for example, Mm -hmm. I am not a morning person. These people who post, okay, my five to nine before my nine to five, like that is just not going to be me. So (laughs) essentially I would rather like, sleep in a little bit and um, maybe get a workout in. And I know that I thrive the most when I have meetings starting lunchtime or afterwards and I'm a night owl. So oftentimes it's important to know that though. I want to just stop. I think it's really important to know that and know yourself and, and set yourself up to succeed. Right. Exactly. I always think, gosh, if I could have started school at, you know, 10 a.m. instead of 7 a.m., like I probably would have been a whole different human being. So, um, you know, I tend to have, um, you know, different meetings. So sometimes those are over Zoom, sometimes those are in person. Um, sometimes it's responding to clients, you know, sending messages, okay, this is this is what I need. Um, and, you know, oftentimes we're, we'll be on a call and it's just, okay, the planning strategy, or sometimes those meetings are in person. And then I typically also work at night. So um, for me, that's my quiet time, the way some people have it in the morning. And so I'm often doing my best thinking then. I'm returning emails. I'm putting together strategies. And I often work till 11, 12, sometimes one in the morning at night. And that's when I do my best thinking. It's when I'm most wide awake and then make sure I get a really good night's sleep. And then obviously, like, you know, for example, when I go to a pro day, I think one thing that um, isn't mentioned a lot is often this industry and these jobs can be lonely. Like people see the glamorous Mm -hmm. sides, but when I'm traveling to a pro day, for example, I have one coming up in March in South Dakota. So I'm going to get on a plane in Tampa, drive myself to the airport, pay for parking, get on a plane, change planes in Minneapolis, fly to South Dakota, stay at, you know, um, you know, a Hilton, you know, long stay or what, you know, one of those Mm -hmm. like, you know, Hampton Inn or, you know, unglamorous places, get up, drive, you know, to the pro day, be stand by myself, you know, cheer him on, hope it goes well, give him a hug and then get back in the car, drive two hours. Um, I think this trip I'm flying out of Omaha, have to change planes and I get home at two in the morning. Like in those Mm -hmm. days, it's just me, you know, it's not fun. It's not, you know, I mean, it's worth it for me to cheer on my client and to see him do well, but that's a lot of schlepping and expenses for, you know, an hour or two of watching him perform. So I think that um, you have to be really good with your own company and not feel like everything has to be about attention. Like it's why, you know, I'm so clear on my why and I don't forget about it because there's a lot of days that are sacrifices. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many things I didn't, you know, paying to register your company with, you know, the state, 
you know, you have a registration and with the county and, you know, you like every other job, like Microsoft Office just came with my computer. I thought that was a free thing. Turns out when you're on your own, you have to pay for that. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, last week my laptop battery was going to, you know, was needed to be replaced. So I was back and forth to the laptop place. Like, you know, I always joke I need like a wife or an assistant or so, like I don't have any of those things. So, you know, and today I spent a lot of time working on my taxes, uh, you know, as an independent contractor, I have to record every penny I make and every bit of expenses and 1090. So like, there is no, I don't have departments, like it's just me. So in life and in business, everything that a company has to do, I'm in charge of. Sometimes those are glamorous and exciting things and sometimes not. And it's often just me by myself doing those things. So you have to really be okay with your own company. I have one other question before we get into five fun facts. I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about your book, which goes through so much of your journey and what the genesis was of writing that and what the experience was like of writing that. Sure. So um, first of all, I was never someone that I thought would write a book. I (laughs) thought that was reserved for famous people. Um, So the whole thing was like a surprise to me as well. Um, Basically, the publishing company was following my journey on LinkedIn. And I think that's one thing that I tell a lot of people about marketing is like, we are very lucky to live in a day and age where there's social media and a lot of it is free. If you document and share what you're doing, I can't even begin to tell you how many opportunities have come about and people have found me. I mean, I think that's how we connected by just the fact that I've been posting and sharing my updates on social media. Mm -hmm. So you never know who's watching. So the publishing company reached out and was like, Hey, you know, we want to hear your story. We're looking for more books by female entrepreneurs, which I immediately loved about them. And I felt like I really hit it off that we sort of had the same values and I was, they made me feel very comfortable being myself. And so I had um, an initial interview with them and they asked me to put an outline together And they said, okay, you know, it should be about a page. And turns out mine was 12 pages. Um, So I was like, well, good news is like half the book's written. And then they, um, you know, took my outline and it went in front of their board of directors, basically. And I remember the meeting was like on a Friday at, you know, 430. And I was waiting like hours and hours. And I thought, oh, I'd get an answer quickly. And after nine or 10 o'clock, I thought, okay, well, obviously, the meeting didn't go very well. And then they called me and said, um, the vote was unanimous to approve you and bring you on as an author. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, well, now I guess I have to write a book. Right. Um, <laughs> That's the good news. And then I have to write a book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I guess now, like, I actually have to do this thing. I was so focused on getting approved that, like, I didn't really think beyond that. And then I was like, oh, this is what this means. Um, right. I have to say, it's actually my one of my favorite things I've done because I'm able to help the most amount of people and scale me. So, you know, I mean, obviously working in this industry and you want to help as many people as possible, you get a lot of, can I pick your brain? Can you tell me how you got to this point? And just in trying to run my business, I physically don't have enough time or like everything I do, you know, I'm, I, to pay my bills, I have to work for myself. There's no salary coming in. So I hope to get to a point one day where I, you know, have so much money, I could just do everything for free and just spend all my days helping people, but I'm not quite there yet. I still have electric bills and things to pay um, Mm -hmm. and rent and all that. So um, this being able to write the book was a very manageable and affordable way for people to access all of my thinking and marketing advice and, you know, story, I think the best way to help other people is to share your own story. And again, Mm -hmm. going back to 
your platform to your purpose and your why, like at the end of the day, whether it's my clients or other people, like I am a teacher at heart and this, the book allows me to help as many people as possible. Um, and to teach them without having to interact directly, they can listen to audiobook or ebook or, you know, order the paperback, however they like consuming it. But with a click, like they can get all the advice that I would ever give them. And at the end of each chapter, I actually summarize the most important lessons from that chapter, from that part of my career, because I I didn't want to write a book and have people spend money that they were just going to read once and throw away. Like I wanted them to be able to go back and reference it. And I actually have a former coworker who tells me that every time he's interviewing for a new job, he reads the book or a particular chapter of how to negotiate the highest salary, um, you know, in, in that negotiation process or in that interview process to get a refresher so that he goes in as strong as possible. So I appreciate that it's continuing to help as many people as possible and, and also to do so um, more than once. You know, it's not just a read and then you're done. Hopefully it's a reference point for life. And the other thing is, you know, like I said, I had a really great support system and people who believed in me. And it was still hard. I mean, I'll never forget someone said to me, have you always been entrepreneurial? I'm like, yeah, they only call that it that when it works. Like when you're going left and everyone else is going right, like you're a screw up. Okay. So you really have to have that confidence in yourself and that tunnel vision to be able to achieve your dreams and to go after them and feel comfortable doing so. And I really felt like I wanted to be that support system or that encouragement for other people who may not have that naturally in their lives. I wanted them to know how to, you know, trust their gut and to chase their dreams and to find their place in the world. Um, you know, in case they weren't getting that encouragement or they didn't have that knowledge from school, you know, or in their own lives. And I think a lot of things that we need to know in life and in business aren't taught in school. So like I had to learn things the hard way and go through the process. And I wanted to give people the cheat code for how to get there faster. So I just kind of put all that, those pieces of advice um, in the book. And then, you know, hopefully, um, you know, people can get, you know, wherever they want to go faster by reading that advice instead of having to learn it the hard way and experience it themselves. And tell our listeners the title and where they can find it. Sure. It's called You Are the First You and it's on Amazon. So if you type in You Are the First You and my name, then it should pop right up. It's me on the cover. So you literally can't miss it. Um, And like I said, there's audiobook, there's ebook and paperback version. Amazing. And you did mention, you did say the title at the very beginning, but I just wanted to reiterate that for everyone. Whitney, I'm not going to let you go yet because I do five fun facts, but I just so appreciated your candor and your answers and sharing your journey with us. This has been an awesome, awesome interview and podcast. So I appreciate you joining me. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. And thank you for giving us a platform because, you know, a lot of times the way things are done are done that way because that's how it's always been. And people don't think there's necessarily an issue or a way it could be better, but without a platform like yours, allowing people to be able to say, actually, I'm different than the typical person doing this job, or there are ways this could be improved, like that word never gets out. So you're really the guardian angel and the superhero in all of this. Oh, thank you. Again, this has just been such a fabulous, this, you know, we started strong, we're ending strong, but before, before I let you go, we're going to do five fun facts. Our listeners know this. They're probably sick of hearing me say it, but it's something I started with the 49ers players and we do it on video and they share five things about themselves that you wouldn't otherwise know. But on this podcast, 
we ask everybody the same five questions every week, which has just been awesome because it's amazing how many different answers we get. So if you are ready, Whitney, five fun facts with Whitney Holtzman. Okay, let's go. I hope I'm ready. I, I guess think we'll, you are. We're, we'll find out. I feel pretty confident in it. Uh, what okay. is your favorite moment in sports? Oh gosh, that one's easy. Um, can Wait. I can I please give you two because they're tied together? Absolutely. Okay. So um, it's when the Bucks won the Super Bowl and Raymond James, because that was the stadium that made me fall in love with sports and want to work in this industry. And it was my dad who got me into football and I got to take him to the game um, and share that moment with him. And like, I just didn't stop crying the whole time. And like the memories and the pictures, and we were the first team to win it in our home stadium. So the fact that like, I got to watch, my team win the Super Bowl in the home state. Like that's not something I could have ever dreamed of because it had never happened before. Okay. So that was one a one B is, I don't know if you ever saw the video um, from that Super Bowl boat parade of Tom Brady throwing. Oh yeah. Trophy. Okay. So I, I took, I took that video. <gasps> so that's amazing. Yeah. So a lot of people don't realize that. So I like, you know, I said to the person next to me, like, did Tom just throw the trophy? And they were like, yep. And I happened to get it on video. I threw it on social media. And within minutes, I mean, ESPN was calling CBS, the Today Show, People Magazine. I did nine hours of interviews, including an interview in Australia. And then actually Tom's manager reached out and said, could we hop on the phone? And Tom ended up licensing it for me. And I've been in touch with his manager ever since. So that tied together was the my favorite moment in sports. With Vivi in the background saying, oh, yes. Dad, no! Yeah, don't do it. I know. She was the voice of reason um, in that parade, which tells you all, all you need to know about the state of every adult who was participating. I love it. That's amazing. What is your life motto? My life motto is, I, I, <laughs> I have this quote in, my, in the first page of my book, and I say that if you don't read beyond page two, I'll be okay. But as long as you remember this quote, which is my Angelou's people will forget what you did and forget what you said, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. I always mm-hmm. say if there's one lesson I could impart on people, it's that people will never forget how you made them feel. If you remember that, you're going to have success in everything that you do. Your go-to workout. Okay, so I... um have the Peloton bike and app. So I use that on a pretty regular basis. I vacillate between, I really like their bar classes. I do their spinning classes, their bike boot camps, and uh, their yoga classes as well. So I would say, um, you know, between those four, I, I rotate. Go to coffee order. Okay, so on the side, like I love a good matcha latte, good chai tea latte. You know, there's variety and like fun, but like when I show up in the morning and I need caffeine, it's always a latte. Um, and I prefer oat milk or almond milk with my latte. And a book every woman should read. Oh, goodness. Um, you know, I mean, I'm tempted to say my own, but, um, Which you can, it's, it's, it's about you. You certainly can. Yeah. But, uh, I think we've talked about that enough. I'm trying to think what other, I, I'm a big reader. I'm in two book clubs. So like I read a lot. Um, and I really, um, I, I really like books written by female leaders. Like I find that I take a lot away from those. So whether it's Sheryl Sandberg's, plan B that I really like. Um, you know, I just think that, um, any, 
any book like that's written by a woman that has like had great success. I read Princess Diana's um, biography. So um, the the other one that is is not I guess typical um, is there is a book. Let's see if I can quickly um, find the name, but it's basically about trying to live on minimum wage, and um, it's fascinating. This woman, I, I like nonfiction. Um, but this woman basically tries to move across the country and have all these, um, minimum wage jobs. And is like, can you actually live on minimum wage? And essentially, I mean, I don't want to spoil the book, but it's, it just really, um, really opens your eyes to what it's like for typical people in society. Um, so that book is called nickel and dimed. Um, okay. So I really like that. And then like, you know, I love a good, you know, Michelle Obama's becoming like those kind of books. I'm just so drawn to, um, you know, Melinda Gates's book. I really like to learn how other women have overcome challenges, succeeded, um, you know, it makes you feel less alone. And then you take pieces of advice from them that I think you can really implement in your own um, life and career. And so like those books, I really, um, I, I really eat up. Awesome. Thank you, Whitney. This was fabulous. Please let everybody know where they can find you on social media. Oh, sure. So um, on Instagram, I'm just Whitney Holtzman, Social Victories. And I think on most platforms like LinkedIn and Facebook, I'm that as well. On Twitter, just because character count back in the day, I'm W Holtzman, but Social Victories is the same. Fantastic. You guys, if you like what you heard, and I know that you did, please make sure to give us five stars. Leave us a wonderful review. You can follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online. And with that, I will talk to everybody next time. Bye, all. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.